Welcome to the Unstoppable Podcast, the official podcast of Unstoppable Domains. Join us each week to hear from leading experts in the exciting new fields of blockchain, cryptocurrency, and the decentralized web, where we talk about the future of the internet and what that means for humans like us. Not only will this podcast help you sound super smart around your friends, but you'll also learn how you can become a pioneer in this space and help lead the charge toward a more decentralized web. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Unstoppable Podcast. I'm your host, Diana Chen, and I'm here today with our guest, Matt Lockyer. He is the Director of Developer Relations at Near Protocol, which I'm sure a lot of you have heard of. They are Near is an open source platform uh, that allows people to develop decentralized applications and scale on Ethereum. So I'm very happy to have Matt here today and to talk to him more about Near and what they're building out there. So welcome, Matt. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks, Diana. Pleasure to be here. And uh, yeah, really looking forward to chatting with you. Awesome. So before we dive into Nier, I want to know a little bit more about your background, how you got into this space. So take us all the way back to when you first heard about crypto. What was it that caught your interest? And then how did you start learning about it? It was like January 2nd, 2017. And somebody asked to have like a piece of pizza with me. And it was a really cold piece of pizza because I'm in Vancouver, uh, British Columbia, Canada. And while it's not like totally snowed over, it's still kind of chilly in the winter. He said he wanted to have like a venture studio. He was interested in my teaching background. And when I said like, you know, kind of like, what's the thesis? Like, what's it really going to be about? Um, he said, you know, emerging kind of areas of technology, like uh, AI, ML, um, AR, VR. And that's kind of why he approached me because I have a background in graphics programming and teaching, you know, teaching kind of creative code, graphics programming, building 3D stuff with code. And then he said blockchain. And I was like, blockchain, what's that? Right. And of course, you know, I'd heard of Bitcoin, but then I'm like, okay, start going down the rabbit hole. And uh, I had a job at the time. Um, so I was finishing up a contract and I was interested in, in joining this. Um, this venture studio, but the venture studio never came to pass. But during my, my finishing up this contract in the spring of 2017, I was just like obsessed. So I went totally down the rabbit hole and then, you know, come to summer 2017, I had a camper van at the time. So I basically took like a week long trip and I like drove uh, up the coast, like the West coast of Canada on the mainland called the sunshine coast. And I camped for like six nights um, and during this time, I basically downloaded everything onto my laptop, like, you know, the, the, the Ethereum developer tools, you know, Truffle, Ganache, uh, all this stuff that you needed to learn how to build dApps. And I basically kind of like taught myself. So I'm, I was already a developer, so it was kind of easy to self-teach. But I literally had um, the documentation for Solidity, the language, and I just like read it front to back while I was by like, you know, by lakes, by, by, you know, by a fire kind of stuff. So it was really, um, it was a good way to go deep. And then I went through the first ETH global hackathon, uh, ETH Waterloo, which was, uh, October, 2017. And I mean, that's where I met everybody. Like, uh, the, the crypto kitties team was there. Uh, the original team, Kevin Awaki, the guys from maker, you know, Joe Lubin, Vitalik, his entire family, everybody. So it was really cool. It was like a, like a, a who's who of that community. And, and I loved it. Like, I really love the Ethereum community. I love everybody in it. And I've just had such a blast 
over the years, just participating and building and helping teams build and and just you know being a part of, of what is what is crypto. <laughs> I would love for you to go ahead and answer that for any newbies listening. What is crypto? How would you explain crypto to somebody who doesn't know anything about it in a way that gets them excited and curious to learn more? Oh, geez. I'll keep it as simple as possible. Like, you know, in the in the physical world, we have, you know, we obviously have limitations on the kind of stuff that we can create and what we can kind of like create value around. So like if I wanted to start a t-shirt company or a sneaker company, you know, I can only make so many t-shirts or so many sneakers as the physical world will allow me to. But that obviously changes when you think about making like a digital t-shirt company. So you basically just upload digital designs and now all of a sudden it's unlimited as to how many, you know, t-shirts people could order or people could print if you were licensing the designs. And that's kind of interesting because like digital allowed everybody to just copy information and information flows freely. And, and that's obviously really good in some respects uh, for various types of, of businesses. Like you think about like software or SaaS models, you copy it forever, right? Like that's great. You know, adding another customer costs nothing. That That's a great business model, but it really sucks for other models, like where you're trying to basically have, you know, gamification of scarce resources. So like you have a video game and you have some in-game gold or currency, you have like special items like swords or whatever, you know, like some house uh, or some avatar. And the introduction of, uh, and obviously you could do that within one game. That's great. You know, you can back that up on a database. But the introduction of crypto allows uh, users to basically take the items out of those games as if you were literally like buying a t-shirt from one store and then, or a pair of sneakers, which a lot, I guess a lot of people are trading sneakers these days. So I'll just use sneakers. Um, I like t-shirts, come on. <laughs> but, um, you know, people are trading uh, sneakers. So, you know, you can buy a sneaker from one store and then you can, you can go online and you can sell it to somebody else. And it's, you can do that because it's a physical good that you actually take out of the one store and, and take on to a different marketplace. But with a game and like a centralized server, you can't really do that. Like you can't take dance moves out of Fortnite and sell them on like a like an eBay or some sort of, you know, black market dance move, <laughs> dance market. What crypto enables is it enables those game developers to tap into uh, essentially an economy uh, like a substrate, a platform that is bigger than just their game, that is bigger than just their game's database. And it allows players to actually, you know, take the game experience uh, and own something, own something unique uh, from it. Um, now, obviously, crypto has a lot of like financial use cases. Um, you know, the listeners might have heard of like DeFi and, and obviously, I mean, they've heard of Bitcoin. Um, I don't have a financial background, so a lot of what you'll hear me talk about probably is like these sort of, you know, app and social and game kind of use cases. So that's kind of what I'm into. But that's what crypto means to me. It's sort of like this way to bring that physical property of scarcity into the digital world and and give your users or, or sort of like, you know, people participants in a video game or participants in some experience a way to actually own something that that almost feels physical, but it's still digital.
For people listening who, you know, maybe have a camper van and they're ready to go out into the wilderness for a week and download everything to their laptop, what are some of your go-to sources, whether they're podcasts or books or blogs or newsletters or Twitter people to follow? Like, what are some some of your go-to sources of truth, if you will, for learning in the space that you can direct people to? Uh, that that's a really good question, and you'll probably get some some pretty valuable gems out of me because I I mean I I I was scouring the web for like the signal in the noise, and there is a lot of noise out there. So I'll just you know caution the listeners to you really want to like you know screen a lot of the the people and the influencers you follow and the newsletters you sign up for. Um, obviously, you know podcasts such like such as this that are basically going to the people who are kind of building the space, unstoppable domains, like obviously, there you go, you you know, you can own a domain that you can take other places, you can sell in different markets. So these are people who are actually building stuff in the space. So I always look for, and, and I had always looked for when I got into the space, the people who are actually building product, because there's a lot of talk, talking and talking and talking, but there's not, there's not a lot of walking. Um, John Poller, who's actually uh, the organizer of ETH Denver and the founder of Opolis, which is also a great product. So Opolis is like a, it's like an um, employment kind of commons and substrate where you can take like your healthcare from, from gig to gig, from job to job, contract to contract, which is not a, a sort of a common thing in the United States. So he always says, you know, that when he hosts ETH Denver, which is a great conference, by the way, it's all just, you know, pure builders, pure, real stuff. He, he basically says, you know, we got to focus on, we got to focus on less talky talky and more walky walky. So, and then, you know, there's Kevin Owaki from Gitcoin. So shout out to another great resource where you can, you can earn crypto with Gitcoin. You can learn with Gitcoin uh, using the Gitcoin kernel program. There's Kevin Owaki, who's also in Colorado. So, uh, you know, a little less talky-talky and a lot more Owaki-waki because he's sort of set a standard for the other builders in the space, uh, you know, with all of the work and all of the building that they've done with Gitcoin. So just a shout out to some of the people that I know, um, but just rapid fire some more links and, and resources. Evan Van Ness, uh, Week in Ethereum, definitely have to subscribe to that newsletter. You can't go wrong with, uh, you know, Evan's sort of collection of links from the NFT space. I've always really enjoyed like Staking Economy. I don't know if uh, other people know about that one, but Staking Economy is a great newsletter. And it's uh, it's really um, a lot of the stuff's pretty nerdy, um, but you'll but you sort of pick it up as you go along. And then more on the learning programs, Figment is doing like really amazing stuff in the space. So they're kind of like an entire like learning platform or sort of like network. And they've got other protocols and other stuff. Near is a is sort of a Figment supporter. We put a lot of course material into Figment and Figment pays people to uh, to learn about crypto. So you can learn to be a developer. You can learn about kind of more soft skills, crypto marketing, things like that. Um, so the Figment program is really cool. I'd be an idiot if I didn't shout out. I have to type in the URL to remember it. If I didn't shout out some Near resources. So there's Learn. Uh, what is it called? It's LearnNear.club, which is kind of like our little club. And from there, you can actually jump off, I think, to Gitcoin Kernel, the Near Certified Developer Program, which is our own program, and Figment and stuff. So uh, LearnNear.club is the link. 
Awesome. Well, that should be more than enough material for somebody to go off the grid for a week and dive into this stuff and really do some good learning. Maybe maybe two weeks. (laughs) Maybe two weeks. Yep, yep. Yep. (laughs) All right. So I want to dive into NEAR and talk a little bit more about that. So to start off, why don't you, for people who aren't familiar with NEAR, what NEAR is or haven't heard about NEAR, why don't you give us the high level overview of what is NEAR protocol? Well, NEAR protocol is uh, basically kind of like, I guess, one of these next generation blockchains. So uh, started in 2018, uh, development started, and we just launched our mainnet in 2020. So if that gives you some idea about the the amount of research and development that go into some of these crypto networks, um, it's quite a bit. And we have quite a technical team as well. So they're, they're very bright, but um, still, you know, to adequately create such a network and also, you know, to get a community going of, of validators and people that will sustain the network, it's quite a lift. So, so it was a tremendous feat for the team to launch last year. Really proud about that. And uh, I joined actually uh, just before the mainnet launch in uh, May 2020. From what I can tell you, and, and I don't I don't know the whole story because I wasn't around back in 2018. It was co-founded by Ilya Polushkin and Alex Skidanov. I probably said Ilya's name, last name wrong, but no, no worries. Those two co-founders wanted to find a way to actually, to actually do kind of like distributed AI and, and sort of like train models uh, across basically a lot of computers. But then they came to the point of, you know, compensation and sharing of your data and privacy and like open web kind of challenges, right? So there's this whole movement, you know, Web3 that was kind of, this was a very narrow use case in that wider conversation. And then they thought, okay, well, we can probably attract a lot of talent. They're both, you know, IC, ICPI. I, I don't know what that is. Uh, there, there's like a there's like a world chess championship for programming and they're they're both like, medalists or finalists or something. And they obviously vacuumed up a whole bunch of other uh, brainy coders and got to working on this. The first sort of focus was about uh, scaling and getting consensus right and near launched this whiteboard series where they met with every other protocol in the space. Like you name it, like, you know, Cosmos, Polkadot, Solana, ETH, like the Ethereum researchers uh, several times, you know, Justin Drake has been in the whiteboard series talking about ETH 2.0. and this whiteboard series was sort of like a way for near to learn, but also a way to give back to anyone who is trying to build a crypto protocol and to be very uh, symbiotic with all of the other blockchains in the space. So the the whiteboard series from there, uh, you know, near was focused on scaling, and then they moved to be focused more on developer experience and user experience because I think. As a collective organization, just around the time I joined in May 2020, the organization had been shifting towards, okay, we have this amazing blockchain, like really easy to, to, to build and develop on. Um, but if nobody builds applications, then, you know, we're, you know, we're hooped, right? Like uh, you, basically, you basically need traction, you need adoption, and you need other developers to like the experience of building on your blockchain. The focus since I joined has really been on the on the app layer, on the the developer experience layer. So we have like dev platform team, which is amazing. And then we have my team, which is the developer relations team. And uh, unofficially, I'd say that, you know, we build cool shit and we help other people build cool shit on near. 
Um, but the sort of official thing is that uh, we have a developer relations team. We kind of have, you know, traditional developer relations, as you would know it, like support in like channels and education and docs and things like that. And I mentioned the education resources before. Um, but then we're starting to see people like myself and a few other people from the DevRel team. We're actually starting to see uh, a movement towards kind of more of like a BD producty kind of unit. I can't say too much about that, but there's stuff's happening and you'll see like a kind of an evolution of, um, of pretty strong product teams, not just from the DevRel team on near, but from the product team that built the wallet there, there's some sort of movement of kind of a core group moving out there to do more product stuff. Um, so there's lots of kind of spin outs happening in the, the near ecosystem, which are really exciting. There's a lot to unpack there. I think what I'm going to start with is I, I think any technical people or developers listening would be really mad at me if I didn't give you a chance to get technical and explain some of the technical components of Near. So, you know, like, why don't you explain for the developers listening, like, how does Near make it easier for developers to build these dApps and explain, you know, like, I know you guys have a cool rainbow bridge that links, you know, the layer one Near to, to layer two, I think, on Ethereum. But go ahead and explain all of that. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so for the technical people in the room uh, and then everyone else, you'd probably skip ahead. I'm looking at the time. Maybe I'll need like about six or seven minutes. <laughs> I'll try to stop myself. I love to get into these details, but also kind of work with metaphors. I was joking about skipping ahead. Don't skip ahead. Um, I like to work with metaphors that kind of make it a little more accessible. So every I was told, you know, I was told in academia, you know, to, to make the presentation interesting and then tell everybody, you know, if you want to read more, just, you know, you can, you can grab the paper, you know, so you can grab the, you know, the many kind of near white papers and articles. Uh, a lot of them were written by, um, by our founders, you know, Ilya and Alex Skidinov, um, and Eric Troutman, who's the, the director of the near foundation, they're prolific. Like they are publishing all the time. So you can always uh, go into those resources and those blog posts, uh, white papers for more information. I'm going to really quickly take you through like the technical aspects of Near and why I think it's kind of special for developers. Uh, right away, you know, something to understand is that Near, like a lot of the next generation blockchains, including uh, ETH 2.0, is sharded. But Near's approach to sharding is much different than anyone else's approach to sharding. And that's actually what kind of got me curious to learn more about Near? I met uh, the co-founder Ilya at ETH Denver 2020, just before you know COVID stuff, um, and I met him in person, and we went pretty deep on this. So Near is sharded. Near uses an approach to sharding that developers do not need to write their applications in such a way that they're that they're shard aware, so they don't need to know like, oh, you know. Um, my application is on shard, you know, XYZ, but the DeFi app that I want to actually compose with is on shard ABC. So a lot of this stuff is actually taken care of for you at the core protocol level. Um, so that approach to sharding was really interesting to me. And as a developer, I really wanted to go to a, a protocol like a blockchain that I could build apps on, consumer apps on, that made it kind of you know, really easy and fluid to do so. And I didn't want to have to worry about all these headaches. Um, I had actually worked on, a, on another 
with another blockchain and you had to kind of be shard aware, they call it like, you know, as a coder, like as a developer of an app. And I, I just thought, okay, well, you know, this is going to become unusable. <laughs> that's one thing that's really interesting. If you want to learn more about near as near's speed, finality, transactions per second, all of that jazz consensus mechanism called nightshade, which is like an, a nod to like some sci-fi character that I don't know about. And I'll probably get like dirty messages about not being like a sci-fi nerd now because everyone in near is like sci-fi nerd. You know, if you want to read about all that stuff, I, again, just go, go to the stuff, uh, go to the white papers and blog posts. One thing I really want to talk about though, uh, Diana, which I, which I think is the best uh, part about near is the account system as a developer. Everyone on Near has a human readable account name. So this is basically like taking a project like the ENS and let, let's not forget, you know, amazing project, amazing work done by the folks who actually stood up the Ethereum naming service, but it is a project on top of Ethereum. So, you know, not only do you have to learn how to make, you know, Ethereum smart contracts and write solidity and deploy them and all of this sort of intricacies of the Ethereum blockchain, when you when you want to have human readable names, you got to go look at this other project, you know, and then if you want to go in Nier's account system, too, we have the concept of access keys. So these allow developers to do really powerful things like um, I could create an account for you, Diana, and I could actually add an access key where I would be sponsoring your gas but your access key for your account that I created for you would only allow you to call one method in one smart contract. So I can kind of sponsor you to, to come on to crypto as a non-crypto person. I mean, I know you know about crypto, but I can bring you on as a friend and I can keep you in like a bit of a sandbox while I'm paying your gas fees. And then when you kind of graduate, so let's say you sell an NFT, and you generate some actual revenue, it could be as small as like one near token, you can pay me back for like the 0.05 near tokens that I sponsored you with. So there's this amazing power in this access key system that's part of our you know human readable account names. And that's like having a Gnosis safe as part of the core protocol where you can actually add and remove keys. And you know, you know, like explaining this to developers, uh, especially if they're coming from the Ethereum ecosystem, they just kind of get it. And then when they see just how powerful having that that human readable name for an account and having those access keys are at the core protocol level and being able to develop with those concepts without having to kind of like run around and like learn about all these other projects and stuff and read different docs and stuff and stuff like that they see it right away, like light bulbs start to go off and they see the potential for mainstreaming users. They see the potential for sponsoring accounts and meta transactions and, you know, burner wallets and all of this stuff that uh, shout out to Austin Griffiths, who came up with like, you know, burner wallets and stuff like that. Um, and, and the meta meta cartel family, the originals that came up with meta transactions. Shout out to all those people. Amazing work. And I would just say to developers who are sort of, you know, near curious that we just saw all of that. We saw how awesome it was. And and we're it's kind of like a, a compliment. You know, we just put it in the core protocol. So that's what gets me really excited um, about near. It's sort of like it's an application. It's a it's a blockchain that's really designed 
for uh you know web 3.0 and it's for these like it it's designed kind of for apps it's designed and it's designed for people so um i really love it and uh i love building on near i'm like literally writing contracts on near like all day long um so i'm either helping partners or i'm building like my own side projects i have like a, i gotta tease this out too i have a generative art it's a generative art nft marketplace portal whatever it, it's not going to be curated it's just going to be wide open so people can just come and just hit it the mainnet version should be out in a couple of weeks i'm testing on testnet like doing like user experience testing starting hopefully later today you know i've i've had the contracts kind of run through a couple of audits internally with our team going to do testnet for a couple of weeks see how it goes with with actual creators we have a a Discord uh, channel in our server. Um, so if you go to near.chat, if you're interested in, in generative NFTs, you go to near.chat and join the generate under the dApps category. Uh, it's GNR8. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about all this stuff. I'm also one of the people who's like pushing the near uh, standards forward. So we have uh, a fungible token standard. We have uh, a few different DAO standards. So we have Sputnik DAO. You can go to Sputnik.fund. We have Moloch DAO, a version of Moloch DAO that is coming soon. Um, and we have Sputnik V2 for DAOs. So fungible tokens. We've got uh, Ref Finance, which is basically a, it's like a near native implementation of kind of like a Uniswap. So it's just like liquidity, liquidity pools and automatic market making. Um, and we have an NFT standard with royalties. And I am currently working on two more standards that are like extensions for the NFT standard. And that's like a multi-token standard. So you can have one NFT contract with many different types of NFTs in it. And then you can have um, lazy minting. So basically you can declare uh, that you're going to sell a million NFTs. And each user that comes and buys the NFT is actually doing the minting as opposed to the traditional sort of like, I'm going to drop, you know, a hundred NFTs because people don't really sell a million NFTs, but they should. So people say, I'm going to drop a hundred NFTs. So what they do is they pre-mint them. And then when people come to, to buy them, they're just transferring them. So um, lots of exciting stuff. Again, I'm so sorry, Diana, I forgot your question and I don't know what I'm talking about, but I think people got it. I think people got enough about why I'm excited about Nier. Yes, I think people got a good taste of it. Hopefully people didn't fast forward in the beginning when we were doing a technical talk because it turned into something very relevant for everybody. Um, lots of, we lots should do of, something like, like, oh, you missed it all. Go back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Go back and start from the beginning. <laughs> lots to unpack there. You mentioned a few things. I'm really interested in NFTs and DAOs. And so I want to talk a little bit more about those things and how that applies to Nier. So why don't we start with NFTs? You said there's an NFT standard um, that is the ERC. 998, I believe. And so can you talk a little bit more about what is this NFT standard? And then also like what is happening with NFTs on Near? You know, like everybody's talking about NFTs right now. So bridge the gap for people between NFTs and Near and how these two things uh, work together. Sure. Yeah. Um, let's uh, let's go back though to so the ERC998 is actually an Ethereum NFT standard uh, that I was developing with another I mean, I came I came up with this idea and then I sort of got a lot of people interested, but then only one guy stuck around to actually help me do the work. <laughs> and his name is Nick Mudgeon. So it's like at Mudgeon um, on Twitter. Um, and I believe it's like at 
It's like M-U-D-G-E-N, I think. I hope. Sorry, Nick, if I got it wrong. Um, he now works on the Avagachis project, um, and he uses like a variant of the work that we did back in the summer of 2018. So, and Avagachis just launched, like I think, at the beginning of this year. So, um, like, think about like how long it takes to just launch like a complicated NFT. <laughs> so, um, and, and going back to the original idea. So, uh, let's talk about like composability and composable NFTs for a sec. There's obviously projects nowadays that are, that are really, uh, popular. Uh, there's set, set protocol and, um, shout out to DeFi, at DeFi NFT on Twitter. Um, so it's just at DeFi NFT, but the project's called charge particles. The founder, Ben, is super awesome. And basically, these are NFTs with like fungible tokens inside them. So they're like charged up. So pretty cool uh, concept. We have Ben on the podcast. So if you guys haven't heard that episode yet, definitely go back and listen to that. And that was episode yeah. 39. So go back and listen to episode 39 with Ben Lakoff, Charge Particles. You'll you'll get to hear all about that project. Yeah, I, I, I think Ben's awesome. Uh, we were hanging out on Clubhouse a bunch uh, back when people hung out on Clubhouse for like two months. So if we go way back, though, uh, in I think it was April 2018, I just wrote a Medium article and I wrote some I wrote some really terrible Solidity code so that the ERC 998 looks nothing like what I wrote in the Medium post. Um, but I just wanted to kind of prove that this was a possibility. And basically, I called it uh, crypto composables. I wanted the ability to basically sell, like, if I were to sell you an NFT, uh, Diana, or if I were to sell you five NFTs, I'd have to go transfer, 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 right? And there's no way to actually pack up uh, an NFT into like a bundle that you can set, that I could sell to you, and then on your end, you know, you could take take one kind of an, a sub NFT out of the bundle and sell that. Um, so why did I kind of like, or where did I get the idea? Well, you know, CryptoKitties had launched, I think in November, 2017. And then uh, I think around January, February, someone had done like CryptoKitties hats or like hat cat hats or something. I don't know. I don't know where the, I don't know where that project is, but basically you could stick a hat like on your CryptoKitty, like a fedora or something like that. And then I saw a couple other projects that were kind of like buzzing about, uh, oh, we can do, you know, combine this token with this token. The crypto hats thing was actually ERC20 tokens that you sent to your crypto kitty that were like non-divisible. So it was kind of like a, a bit of a hack. It was sort of like a like bolting on something on top of like NFTs. And I, I thought, OK, everybody's going to start doing this. And if they don't do it in a standard way, you know, it's going to be terrible, right? Because the entire space of, you know, wallets, exchanges, uh, all sorts of, uh, you know, swaps and stuff, they're, they're never going to understand, you know, what what is inside what, unless you have like a standard way to describe it. So um, I wrote this article about like, you know, an avatar in a video game has, you know, maybe like uh, maybe that avatar owns an item like a backpack and then that backpack can own like a bunch of extra equipment, but the avatar itself could also own a sword, could actually even own fungible tokens like gold and stuff. And then if I go sell the avatar on OpenSea, for example, 
uh, you could buy the avatar and get all of the items inside, like it, the fungible tokens, the non-fungible tokens, all the way down. Um, so me and uh, and Nick Mudgeon, we hammered away on the Solidity code for, for months. Uh, I booted up like a Discord server uh, in 2018 called Nifty Magicians, and we just everybody just came in. We hung out. We talked about NFTs. It was great. But then, of course, you know, Crypto Winter rolls in. Um, I had some very like, you know, real life kind of uh, got to earn money kind of concerns, you know. Um, so, I mean, like I, I, I gave over the stewardship of the community to a few other people. But eventually kind of like the, the fervor kind of died out because, you know, the mainstream users were not coming. They weren't coming even up until 2019 uh, or 2020, even for that matter. And then now look at NFTs, right? They're blowing up. And I think I'm getting a message about ERC-998, like probably like every week at least on average. And so somebody's messaging me. They want to know more about it. I mean, I'm obviously citing, you know, Nick Mudgeon's contributions and like that he's already launched it with Avogaches. He has a, a standard called the Diamond Standard too. So I'm trying to direct people where I can, but I'm really excited to also be building on Near now and be able to build composable NFTs on a platform that won't uh, absolutely destroy you financially when you try to build a composable NFT of like, you know, just three or four items because it's so expensive. So um, that's the story behind ERC-998. I mean, I guess it's a story about how I kind of like really got deep into the into the crypto uh, ecosystem and kind of booted up my own community around NFTs and sort of like a for me, it was like a kind of a, a learning experience. And, you know, some people would look at that and say, oh, you know, the standard's still in draft and, and you know, Nifty Magicians is a ghost town. And some people would say, oh, you know, like that's like kind of like a failure. And I'm, I'm like, well, not really. Like not if not if Nick has launched this with Avogaches, which is a great project, and not if, you know, uh, Nick and myself and a bunch of the other people who stepped up to to kind of create this community we learned a ton along the way of how to basically speak to, you know, the crypto community and how to build, uh, you know, a fun, exciting community. I mean, we were we were hosting community calls, I think, on a weekly basis. And then we moved to biweekly back in 2018. And I mean, now that's sort of like table stakes for any crypto project, you know, got to have a community call, got to have a community update. I mean, I was writing those on Medium, you know. Um, so it, it's fun, you know, it's fun stuff. And we learned a lot. I, I think that gets you to like the ERC 998 stuff. And I think the second part was like, what about NFTs on near? Um, so as I mentioned before, we have our core NFT standard, which is, uh, which is really awesome, super strong. And it, it allows for a lot of extension and kind of composability with other standards. And then we had a royalty standard, which we worked on with, uh, the Mintbase team. So shout out to Mintbase, Mintbase.io. They just launched on the near mainnet like a week ago. Great team. Love the people over there. Uh, they're just super warm and kind. And they have this huge community called CreateBase, which is sort of like, um, I don't know, like a sister organization, but it's just the artist community. And they're like in the, they're, they're like almost at like a thousand people on, on Telegram, I think. And there's, there's all these near mintbase.io stores popping up. Uh, Mintbase started on Ethereum and just like, you know, a lot of people, they were they were kind of crushed by the fees because Mintbase's approach to NFTs is very, you know, grassroots, artist focused. 
and you can't like a lot of artists online, you know, you can't roll up and say, oh, yeah, you know, for every edition of this painting, you know, you're, you're going to have to spend like 50 to 200 dollars. And it depends. There's like surge pricing like Uber. <laughs> I mean, you just can't you just can't say that to some digital artist who isn't really a technologist, but they want to actually, you know, do artwork and stuff. Um, so shout out to Mintbase. We worked on the royalty standard that allows royalties to be fluidly paid out to like uh, a whole ton of people. So you can create NFTs on Mintbase and, and other near NFT platforms, and you can actually list, uh, you know, royalty recipients and they'll receive a perpetual royalty of the gross sale, like no matter whether it's on like secondary or whatever. So that's great. Uh, we also just had a, an in-house NFT marketplace that just launched for for uh, Bitcoin Miami. There's a lot of near people down there and we have an NFT lounge going on. Can I can I get you the link to that? I'm just going to shout it out. I'm going to shout out all these links. Yeah, for sure. I've been seeing that all over Twitter, actually. And that's like the one thing I would say I'm having the most FOMO about right now is I'm like dying to see that and be there in person. Yeah. So if you go to nftgallery.eventbrite.com, that's an easy one, right? Like nftgallery.eventbrite.com. That's the NFT lounge in Miami right now, like literally happening right now. It's from 10 a.m. to midnight every day, Thursday, Friday, Saturday during Bitcoin Miami. And they just launched um, Plumanite. So if you go to, I'm just volleying links at people uh, like through audio, but I hope they, I hope they listen. Plumanite uh, is P-L-U-M-I-N-I-T-E, Pluminite. That is a in-house NFT marketplace gallery that's like free to mint. There's like a few free mints and like we're just, we're just having fun over at Nier. We're just having fun. We're making NFTs. We're, we're having a whole, a whole blast. Matt, are these things that people can access later on too? Because just just for reference, we're recording this at the beginning of June during Bitcoin Miami. This is going to be released after the fact. And so when people are actually hearing this, can they still go to, are there still links they can check out for Plumenite or for these NFT galleries? For Plumenite, yes, but the NFT galleries probably passed. Sorry, oh, I, I, got so, I got so in the hype and the FOMO of these events happening that uh, I, I just realized while I was speaking to, I was like, oh man, they're probably going to listen to it later. Um, but yeah, Plumenite, you can check out uh, mintbase.io. You can definitely check out, you know, Nier's working with other uh, developers in the ecosystem as well. And I'd be missing missing something huge if I didn't say, you know, we're also working with collab.land. Um, if you've ever joined a Discord group and you had to have a certain amount of tokens to join it, you have probably used collab.land. Um, so they kind of invented this sort of, you know, token curated chats. Um, James Young, the, the founder, is like the, the godfather of token curated registries, which were a big hit back in 2017, 2018. He also was one of the, the co-founders of Moloch DAO. So um, amazing stuff that we're working on with them and more to come. So like more kind of announcements will be coming up about uh, some pretty big uh, projects that we're working on. Nice, nice. And then taking a step back and looking at the NFT ecosystem as a whole, where do you see NFTs going in the future? And, you know, again, like right now, for context, we're recording this beginning of June. Everybody is like freaking out about how the NFT value has been dropping like crazy. And, you know, people are kind of like questioning the whole NFT ecosystem. So from your view, where do you see NFTs being in the long run? Are NFTs dead? 
obviously not. Just explain why they're not and where you see NFTs being in the in the long term. Yeah, I'm not questioning the NFT value stuff at all. I actually now is the time I'm going to give you some really strong opinions. And I mean, I'm probably going to get some like mean messages, but um, I don't think like uh, you know, million dollar NFT sales are particularly healthy for NFTs like the ecosystem or the economy or, you know, the technology. The reason why I say that is because I think the only thing it does really is it attracts a lot of uh, eyeballs. And the question is, what are those eyeballs? You know, it's largely a lot of people who are, you know, coming into NFTs because they think there's there's money here. And and that, well, that's good in some respects. And of course, we we do need a lot of strong kind of capital formation around uh, teams of builders that are launching like real products and stuff. Um, I, I just think that the the hype and the mania is not the sustainable stuff that we want to that we want to do with this technology. So where I see NFTs going um is well beyond just the simple sort of I'm buying a JPEG or I'm collecting, you know, a video or an experience and 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 basically uh, stating that I'm the owner or using that as a as a way to you know flex or or social the the scientific term social signal, um, you know. But I think that we're going beyond that and we're going into uh, using NFTs to really create relationships between the creators and their collectors, curators, or just their fans. And we're seeing NFTs being used as access. We're seeing NFTs being used as a way to create, um, to create like a level of analytics that a creator can't get because they're, they're stuck in a platform like Spotify or YouTube. And that ability to to sell something that creates almost like its own social graph, but now it's like this social it's like a socioeconomic graph because people kind of bought into the to the creators. They they kind of bought in to be part of the, this graph, this fan base. But but then maybe they traded it, and then this graph kind of evolves over time. You know, so at one point, you know, I might have been into you know, some, some artist, some creator, and then I sold the NFT, but that just got bought by somebody else. And so you're building these graphs and you're identifying who your kind of like super fans are in this living, breathing, socioeconomic kind of graph, which is a very powerful uh, concept. And then I think using uh, games, you know, whether they be, you know, economical or uh, whether they just be kind of like, social games or just like little, um, you know, to do tasks like, you know, retweet this and, and I'll drop an NFT to you. I think using games is starting to become like a new kind of modality for NFTs, you know, get an NFT. And then if you if you had a Gen Zero NFT, you know, you can you can retweet to qualify for this next NFT or, you know, you have to find another friend who has like you know, a Gen 5 NFT and you guys have to come together and, and like you have to show up at a web page at the same time or you have to tweet the same t thing and you have to do some game to like smash your NFTs together to, to unlock some new potential, some new value. You can get a direct relationship with your fan base and then you can piggyback 
by using you know crypto and by using NFTs, you can piggyback on existing behaviors of gaming. You can piggyback on existing behaviors of like sort of saving and holding, voting. Like so, so using your NFT. If you had to burn your NFTs or you had to burn some social tokens or whatever to basically accomplish something, if you had to burn those items, then all of a sudden your fan base has to make choices and you can use that to A-B test what actually is is good for your fans and what they're truly interested in. And then, I mean, if that wasn't enough, imagine also like kind of, you know, building the narrative where your fans are part of the the minting, are part of the creation process. And this is like, you know, the marriage between, I think, crypto and, and NFTs in particular and user-generated content with a strong brand and a strong creator, that sort of intersection is going to just explode. Like, I think it's going to make people just, it's got, <laughs> I always say it's going to melt faces, you know, um, because it, it's really going to be, a crazy, like hugely democratized kind of thing. And I mean, a lot of people would say, well, you know, it's happening here. It's happening in, you know, Steam or it's happening on Fortnite. They're doing all these cool games and stuff like that. And that's all well and good. But I mean, again, I mean, we know most people who are listening to this know why we're kind of in crypto. Like it's, it's great that it's happening like in one game. It's great that it's happening, you know, on one platform or service. But, you know, people can get canceled and creators can have their revenue streams cut in half and, you know, their fan base is just ripped away from them. Like Facebook pages shut down, YouTube accounts shut down. Like and on top of all of that, fans can have their scarcity diluted by these big platforms. You know, like you buy a dance move that you thought there was only going to be 500 of. So you do that. You do that economical thing of of holding your dance moves. You don't you don't use your dance moves. And you think that you're going to be the last person to be able to dance this dance move at a really big concert in Fortnite. But then all of a sudden Fortnite goes, hey, selling this dance move was really lucrative for us. We're going to sell another 5,000. And all of a sudden, oh, you know, you're not special anymore, but you were planning to be special. And so that can like really uh, crush like um, the relationship between like the fan and the game and stuff. So I think that we're going to start to see really smart creators leveraging this stuff. I think as early as this fall, I think we're going to see a real big kind of explosion in uh, NFTs and use cases that are beyond the table stakes, which is basically right now, okay, you know, you can mint, you can mint an integer and you can map it to a JPEG, <laughs> you know, and that that's table stakes now. And, and like, you can let people buy and sell those on OpenSea or Rarible or whatever platform, you know, I think we're going to see real purposeful utility that's building relationships between creators and their, uh, you know, and their fan base and building this graph uh, out, this like social socioeconomic graph. I don't know. I should probably write a Medium article and get in front of all of this stuff that I just said. But somebody's already probably written it as well. Just like I see people writing about like composable NFTs now. And I'm just like, I just keep posting my Medium article from 2018. I'm like, yeah, guys, it's all in the manual. It's right here. 
<laughs> I mean, you, you for sure got to get on Medium or get on, go get on Mirror and start writing there. But Oh, yeah, the right race. <laughs> yeah, the right race. I've talked to so many people about like the future of NFTs because I think it's fascinating. And because we're in such early days, like there's so much you can speculate about. And, you, you know, it's it's like the sky's the limit with how far your imagination takes you with the types of projects that can come out of the NFT space. And um, I, I think, you know, the stuff that you just said is some of the most like interesting use cases that I've heard yet from people in that are deep in the space. So I, I think it's super cool. Something else you mentioned earlier that I want to get into is Sputnik DAO. Um, and this is another, I guess, project or component of Near. I actually was exposed to Sputnik DAO during DAO Rush Week. I think it was last month. And I like got on Discord and I, shoot, I can't remember his name, but somebody from your community uh, was like on Discord and gave me a demo of Sputnik DAO and all of it was super cool. But I, I would love for you to tell our listeners a little bit more about what Sputnik DAO is, um, like who can use it, who can create a proposal on it, like how do you use it, all that good stuff. So uh, Sputnik DAO, or, you know, if you're using the, the Russian pronunciation, it's Sputnik or, or Sputnik or something like that. Go check it out at S-P-U-T. Uh, oh, I want to make sure I spell all this stuff correctly. I got it here. No. S-P-U-T-N-I-K dot fund. So Sputnik dot fund. You can actually find out that we just hit 100 uh, Sputnik DAOs today. Um, now, Obviously, like we don't have like uh, like uh, millions and millions and millions of dollars in treasury under all of these hundred uh, Sputnik DAOs, but that's not the point with Sputnik DAO. This point with Sputnik DAO and the point with Near in general is to be very appy, to be very fast, to be very experiential. Like you can spin up like a Sputnik DAO and you can put like you know fifty dollars worth of value in it. You can take proposals, you can vote, you can do all of the proposal and voting and stuff for for pennies on a dollar. And then you can actually allocate $50 of funds and it actually makes sense to do so in a DAO. I mean, amazing concept, right? Like I, I think that's what DAOs were actually supposed to be. I have a tweet uh, too. I mean, it's obviously not my clip, but you know, it's a tweet of Steve Jobs uh, talking about interpersonal computing back in 1993. And he was basically saying, you know, we can use personal computers to network them together, to spin up groups around an idea, uh, almost like a mini organization, get some work done and then dissolve them. And that's actually like, you know, what I love about the the near team and just the wider community, you mentioned the community member that gave you a demo of Sputnik DAO. What I love about this community is that they are really about just, you know, spinning something up and doing something and having some fun and then just, just you know, allocating funds and dissolving. And that, that's what's really cool about it. Like you can actually do all of this stuff um, relatively frictionlessly. Uh, we gave away a ton of grants during ETH Denver back in February, the, the virtual one in 2021. And that was all through Sputnik and people just couldn't believe how easy it was. They just went to Sputnik.fund, they wrote some text, they said like, okay, proposal. And they just asked for like, you know, like 10 near tokens to buy some pizza or something like during the hackathon. And we were like, yeah, sure. And and I mean, like, it just kind of like it really changes the game when you get like down in, into that sort of like great UX. Um, and Sputnik V2 is coming with a lot with a lot more like a lot more features where you can have like 
different layers of voting and different layers of proposals and stuff. Like, so it's a, it's pretty comprehensive. So just, uh, yeah, keep your eyes peeled for that. It's just great stuff. I really love what's, uh, what's happening there. I think that, that that's the same sort of flavor with which we launched NFT projects um, like Pluminite was that low cost, easy to experiment. Um, and then projects like Mintbase came to near because of obviously, you know, low fees and the ability to send out transfers to, you know, 10 or 20 different royalty recipients and not actually have it cost a fortune. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So I, I know you've like shouted out a lot of projects that are built on Nier already, but a question from the community, Hot DeFi Summer on Twitter wants to know, which Nier project do you think is flying under the radar or undervalued at the moment? Ooh, that's tricky. Um, I want to just preface anything I say about shout outs to projects. If I missed shouting you out, I'm sorry, but I have a mind that just works like with what with what comes next. Uh, so basically, I just shout out the names of stuff. There is another NFT project on Near that was actually the first. It's called Paras. It's paras.id. They're doing an incredible amount in revenue right now. It's a couple of couple of guys from Indonesia and they just they thought they were going to do like an identity protocol, but then they pivoted to an NFT platform uh, and three weeks later they launched. So pretty interesting story there. Uh, Paras.id. It's P-A-R-A-S. Flying under the radar, though, let me think. Well, I do I do think that the work that collab.land is doing, like they obviously have Ethereum stuff already running, but the work that they're doing, I think, you know, a person like James Young is kind of like, you know, he's a futurist and, and he's kind of like, his reality is everything that I just talked about, about next gen NFTs. He kind of just thinks, oh yeah, it's happening whatever, it's going to happen, no problem. But I think that not a lot of people are realizing the impact of some of the the, the things that they're working on right now um, and some of the stuff that they're building on Near. There's some big launches coming, so there's some stuff like we can't talk about, but obviously I think that that's kind of a, that's a snoozer right now, but it's going to take off uh, probably this summer. Other projects, I know that there's a bunch of DeFi projects, but I'm not the be- again, I'm not the best person to ask about that stuff. I don't know. Just you, you got to follow like you got to follow just the near protocol Twitter. So like at near protocol. And then there's a whole bunch of um, near community people. There's like near daily, near weekly and like all these little kind of like I mean, they're kind of like little parrot accounts, you know, but they, uh, they but they have the best links. Uh, there's also Ants Guild, which is like kind of like the original um external near community guild so they're they're not really like part of near but they they cover near almost like a kind of like a, a decentralized kind of media company i think it's at four nts guild um so it's called they're called ants guild but with a four so like cool. gotcha gotcha <laughs> yeah very cool okay and then i've got another question from the community this one is from Pock on twitter or Pock Pock. not sure what they go by but they want to know what is new for near in 2021 where do you see near in the next year and where do you see near in five years okay um so in one year so we obviously know that you know nfts made a bunch of like big headlines and then they kind of they kind of dropped off and there's a lot of people speculating, you know, what's going to come next? Is it is it DeFi 2.0? Is it DAOs? DAOs 1.0? And I'm talking about this in terms of like hype, you know, 
obviously the questions around probably like what's going to be hype, right? Like hype, hype AF, as the kids say, Dow's 1.0 has never really hit, right? Like we've never had like just like a insane, like two to three month run of just Dow's, right? Um, so that could happen. Um, I definitely think sooner than people expect, uh, NFT 2.0 is going to happen. And I do think it's going to kind of kind of happen this fall. I think Near is going to be really well positioned. There are some launches that are happening this summer that are going to like, again, you know, melt faces that are going to really make Near like a, a viable contender for uh, a place where you can not only do NFTs, but do NFTs that are like, you know, like NFTs 2.0, like really like uh, all of the use cases that I that I described and, and probably then some. There's lots of games launching on Nier, which is very interesting, and game companies that are taking the tact of like becoming like the SDK for NFTs and things like that. So I definitely think that there's there's a great chance for Nier to be a part of that narrative of NFTs 2.0. I'm sorry to say, but like I can't speak a huge amount about the DeFi stuff, but let's talk about that bridge for just one sec because the bridge is cool and uh, Aurora as well. I'd get like excommunicated from Nier if I didn't talk about Aurora. So simply put, Aurora is Ethereum on Nier. Like it's basically the EVM. Uh, it runs on Nier. You can actually go to Aurora and you can use MetaMask and and basically just switch the network to the Aurora network. I can't un like underscore this point enough or like emphasize it enough. Like this is crazy how technical and how you know, safe, secure, but also how how well thought out the user experience is for things like working with Aurora. So if you've ever worked with like a, an L2 as a developer, like a layer two or a sidechain or whatever they're calling them these days, because um, there's some debate about that on Twitter. Um, if you ever worked with them, you notice that there's like trade-offs or, oh, you know, you can do everything you can do on ETH mainnet, but you got to just, you got to just do these little tweaks. You got to just like, you know, move this or spin that or do whatever, right? And and then when your users get on them, oh, you just got to bridge this, just got to do that, right? And there's all these little movements. What I can tell you about the Aurora experience um, and Aurora with the Rainbow Bridge is that it's just super, it's like the most frictionless experience ever. And there's an incredible team leading it. And that's actually also one of those uh, one of those teams that's actually like spinning out of like near core. So true to kind of, decentralization, Nier is actually spinning out a lot of the product teams that are building some of this stuff. So like, you know, myself with kind of NFT standards and consumer consumer apps and DAOs, we're kind of like going to be spinning out over the next sort of six months. The Aurora team is spinning out. I think that's already, you know, been announced. There's there's like a cypherpunk guild for privacy stuff built on Nier that that's already kind of spun out. I think they announced on Twitter this morning that they're like their own legal entity now. Yay. I don't know why the cypherpunk guild needs to be like a legal entity. It's kind of funny. But last thing I want to say about that rainbow bridge too, is that the, the rainbow bridge has been up. Uh, it's been up for, I think since like the beginning of April, I want to say, and there's been a incredible amount that's already been transferred on it. It's uh, very, very, very easy to use. And there's an upcoming uh, upgrade to it that will allow somebody, if I want to make an NFT marketplace and I want to mint NFTs on Nier because it's cheap, it's cheap and easy to do so. So I want to bring a bunch of artists in and they want to mint on this, this uh, NFT marketplace, which is basically just you know a website. 
if I want to open that up to users with Ethereum, users with Ethereum can just come to that website with their MetaMask, be on the Ethereum mainnet so they don't have to change anything and just literally just make one transaction, one transaction. And the app can actually pick up what they want to do with that, with that bridging of ETH, DAI, USDC, USDT, you name it. The app can actually pick up that transfer on the other side and make like a bid or a purchase of an NFT. So without actually doing anything, a lot of the user experience and the things that you would normally have to like, kind of like go through like 14 different steps to do are, are collapsed into just like the one ETH transaction that you know how to do, which is basically just like a smart contract transaction. So that's what I think is amazing about projects like Aurora, projects like the Rainbow Bridge and the kind of stuff that we do at Near when we're building products for you know real users, we're building products for crypto users that don't want to have to kind of think too much when they want to use another chain or use another like uh, use another app. There's a tremendous amount uh, going on right now, and and like lots of stuff to follow. So I hope I answered that person's question. In five years, I don't know. It's too far too far for me. But in five in five years, I don't know. I'd love I'd love to see a lot of. Um, a lot of big brands, a lot of big businesses and a lot of uh, like maybe existing ones. But but I guess where my heart lies is like more in not in with not with the incumbents, but like with the, the startups and like with, you know, new people who are kind of native to this ecosystem. I'd love to see them having a lot of success and I'd love to see them in five years, you know, building on near. All right. Last thing, Matt, before we wrap up here, uh, as a podcaster, I'd be, you know, I, I have to call this out, but Nier has their own podcast, Next Creators Podcast, hosted by Sasha from Nier. And then occasionally you hop on and co-host as well. So tell people a little bit more about the podcast. Like what types of stuff do you guys talk about? What's like the long-term vision for it? Do you do you enjoy hosting more or do you enjoy being a guest on a podcast more? That's always a question I have for podcast hosts because Personally, I like hosting so much more. And so I'm just curious to hear from other people as well. That's a great question. And yes, shout out to um, Sasha or or Alexander Hudzillian. Um, you can find him on Twitter. He's pretty easy to find. I think his profile picture is like a kind of like an Uncle Sam, but his face is like being his face is kind of like deep faked into like an Uncle Sam poster. That's like, I want you. Um, so um Sasha does an incredible amount for the, the near ecosystem. Uh, he's working with the human guild right now, which is basically getting founders that are either close to or have launched on mainnet, you know, access to community, access to users for user testing, access to, uh, to funds to basically like sponsor account creation and basically onboard users. Um, so shout out to all the work he's doing there with human guild. Um, and his podcast is, Awesome. Like if you want to go deep into the, like the technicals or deep into the into like kind of like the crypto rabbit hole or the crypto uh, the crypto idea maze, as I've heard it called, then, you know, Sasha's podcast is a great place to be. I've had a lot of fun hosting the podcast and I haven't hosted in a while, but some of the people we hosted were just awesome. I think we you know, we hosted um I think it's uh, T-Bold or Th Thibold, sorry, <laughs> um, from Fairmint, which is a very, very interesting podcast. We hosted uh, Robin Schmidt from The Defiant, the, the creative video guy that you 
probably all know about. Uh, and that was just, that was so funny and so hilarious. I think my cheeks hurt after, after kind of co-hosting that one with Sasha. We had Marguerite from um, Blockade Games, uh, Neon District, and dropping all sorts of kind of fun NFT stuff. I mean, she's a, she's a pioneer in the NFT space. So, um, and these were kind of like, you know, friends and acquaintance, acquaintances that I had made over the years. And I, I brought them to the podcast and I said to Sasha, hey, what about co-hosting and, you know, putting these people on? I love hosting, but I also like being a guest. I think that there's a, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of like noise in the space and there's a lot of, uh, a lot of things that need kind of just clear clarity and demystifying. So I also want to thank you, Diana, for the Unstoppable Domains podcast. I, I, I've listened to a few episodes because I was like interested in specific kind of topics and stuff. Um, and you've been doing a great job as well. Thank you so much, Matt. I really appreciate that. And I appreciate you taking the time to come on the podcast today. Um, and before you go, tell people where they can find you if they want to connect with you personally, and then remind people wh where they can go to check out Near. And then what are some like uh, initial, cool, fun, easy things that people can do on Near? Sure. Um, yeah. So I'm findable on Twitter as Matt uh, with two T's, D as in David which is my middle name. So there you go. Steal my identity. And my last name, which is Lockyer, as in lock your, lock your, lock your private keys up. I don't know. So it's like lock, Y-E-R. I always just say lock your shit up. Sorry for, <laughs> sorry for swearing on the podcast. Yeah, you know, like uh, you can find me. I'm very easy to find. And, and then I would just put it out to any, uh, you know, founders, entrepreneurs, or like existing kind of crypto, uh, crypto projects. If you need help kind of understanding like the near ecosystem or you need help, uh, you know, just even thinking through like, you know, uh, like crypto or blockchain kind of use case or NFTs or something like that, uh, feel free to reach out and ping me, um, you know, as part of the developer relations team. That's kind of what I do. Like no hard feelings. Like I'm not like a hard sell guy. Like if I if I tell you a bunch of stuff, you know, and then you decide to go build on Ethereum, I don't care. Like, I mean... If it, I, I think Nier is pretty easy and pretty awesome. So uh, so if it's right for you, it's right for you. That's great. Um, and uh, where can they learn more about Nier? Uh, so docs.nier.org is a great place to uh, to learn more about Nier. And there's also uh, there's that learnclub.nier I mentioned. Is it learnclub.nier? Uh, no, it's learnnier.club. Oh, caught myself. There's lots of ways to find out about about Near. Um, what's something fun and cool they can do on Near? They can go to mintbase.io right now and they can like set up a store. You can go to wallet.near.org and you can just get your name. So you better go kind of, you know, I mean Diana, you better go get Diana.near if you can. Um, well, there's some talk between Near and, and Unstoppable Domains too about all this kind of connecting like names and things like that. So that's pretty cool. What else can they do that's just like fun on Nier right now? I mean, there's there's just tons of the NFT stuff. There's also the Rainbow Bridge. So you can go to um, it's ethereum.bridgetonier.com um, because we're probably going to maybe have some other bridges uh, at some point in time. Don't know. Don't know when. Don't know how. Ethereum.bridgetonier.com. You can try the bridge. You can send like tokens to your to your near account. You can also do this on testnet. So if you don't want to spend a fortune, if ETH gas price is like high or something, you can try it on like uh, Rinkaby. You can try it on Ropsten on the Ethereum side, and then you can try that on the near testnet. So it's, 
you know, you can get an account there, wallet.testnet.near.org, I think, or testnet, you know, wallet.testnet.near.org, I think. Yeah, anyway, so uh, like lots of fun stuff. I think if you didn't get it from from hearing me on on uh, on Diana's lovely podcast here, I love to talk, so I'm open to talking to to um, anyone who wants to chat about about their crypto startup. Awesome, awesome, I love it. So Diana.near is taken already, but I just snagged DianaChen.near as you were talking. So at least I've got that. I've got my full name. Very excited about it. Thank you again, Matt, for coming on the podcast. Wait, wait, wait a sec. I want to do the host thing. Diana, how how easy was it to get that name on on wallet.near.org? Oh, Matt, I literally did it as you were talking. So oh, it took wow. you know a minute, a minute to do it. So everybody should go on and go on near dot wallet.near. Um, and then grab your your near your near name. What an amazing user experience. <laughs> it was amazing. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in. And we'll be back again soon with another episode of the Unstoppable Podcast. Thanks, Anna. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Unstoppable Podcast. If something we said today resonated with you, please rate, subscribe, and download our podcast and share this episode on social media with your network. And remember, the fun doesn't have to stop when the episode ends. You can continue this conversation with us on Twitter by tweeting your questions, thoughts, and ideas to Unstoppable Web. We look forward to chatting with you and thanks again for listening.